Hello everyone, welcome to Inspector Goals, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. <laughs> we're back, we're back, Sam, after the biggest hiatus of the season. <laughs> uh, probably too late, to be fair, as it's completely done now. But we thought we'd get one more in just to wrap it up in a nice 24 bow, Jack Bauer style. How's it? How's it been, mate? You've been uh, you've been away mm. on your travels, haven't you? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm all right. Thanks. I'm good. I'm glad to be back recording. Um, but I was actually looking at overall that this is our 24th episode. So I think we've done pretty well to do that in 38 game weeks. Um, but yeah, I've been away with work. So I was at the women's under 17 Euros for a couple of weeks. We with England, we uh, lost in the semi-finals. So got to the last four. So they did well. Um, it's a disappointing ending, but it's, it's just always going to be like that. It's always going to be really deflating at the end unless you win the whole thing. Mm. Um, but first time I've personally been to like a major final. So yeah, it was a great experience. And I was just doing my best to keep up with FPL when I had time while I was there. But yeah, didn't miss any deadlines. Um, managed to make all my transfers. Um, and yeah, now, yeah, back in England and um, enjoyed a bit of a break. Actually, had a good bank holiday weekend. Enjoyed the football. I just I love watching the uh, the last game week of the season when all the matches are at the same time. I just love the chaos of it, to be honest. I wish we had more of that. Um, or even just more 3pm games now because there's so many televised. I think we miss a bit of that chaos. Um but yeah, I'm all right, and I somehow managed to get a um, a very small but a, a green arrow in the last game week, despite not owning Kane because of my transfers. Um, yeah, how, how are you doing, mate, in general? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it was a bit of a deflating end of the season overall. Um, mm. I think I, the final game week was good for me, as we'll talk about in a bit. Mm. Could have could have been a lot better as usual, but it um, it was definitely good. But it's just kind of frustrating that the sort of the back end when you feel like you put yourself in a nice position, you've got players who've got multiple games to come, you know, compared to the average player anyway. And then everyone uh, in terms of the engaged managers had pretty similar teams anyway. And a lot of players didn't play. So it kind of just like fizzled out a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think the final game week was fun, at least. But I wasn't able to even watch any of it, which was really annoying. Because I, I'm with you, like Boxing Day and the final day are like, the best days for me in terms of the calendar of football and they are for most people I suppose just all the games on at once and yeah I was working in a place where I, I literally was unable to check my phone um very often at least and had to do it slyly like the signal was terrible everything's literally like the worst circumstance you could ask yourself to be in in um in the game in the state it's in at the moment considering yeah. the leaks that are coming through man and then just like trying to filter through which ones are, are probably reliable which ones are not I mean even people who are kind of reliable leakers i guess you could say are now are now sort of leaking stuff that's um they're not even sure themselves if you know what i mean so they they are normally reliable but then they're going oh i've got a new source who i don't know if is reliable but then they're, they're putting it out there so you're thinking okay it's probably like good enough there's the a standard where they're happy yeah. to do it yeah but then trying to filter through all that when your pages aren't loading and everything it just it was chaos to be honest with you um did yeah, you manage I, to make the transfers you wanted to though in the end that you think you would have done otherwise I don't know, to be honest. I mean, the main the main issue I had was captain. I was never captain in Rashford. Like, that was never happening. But that was the one team that um, I knew the lineup was correct because someone had told me direct that, that Rashford was playing. And this was quite early on as well. So I switched from Haaland to Rashford. It was always going to be Haaland. And we heard that Haaland was bench, right? And I saw that news. Mm. I thought, OK, that's fine. Um, I, I was thinking about doing Salah and then... There was all these leaks about the Liverpool team, like Allison not travelled, Van Dijk not travelled. And I was like, OK, I'm not going to do him just because I haven't seen anything else. And that sounds like a weakened team. So maybe he doesn't play. So I just kind of writ him off from my mind at that point. 
And I was like, okay, the only one I know for sure is Rashford. I can see he's playing up front. I don't like captaining players like that because they don't have the penalties and set pieces like I always talk about. And they obviously he'd only just come back from injury as well. So I wasn't um, 100% sure it was a good pick, but I just didn't know who else was in my team. I did bring in Kane and it was basically between him and Rashford, but because I had no leaks whatsoever on Kane, I was like, I'm just going to go for Rashford. Um, I'm sure Kane does play, but in the end, it's 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 too close. I think someone said review had Rashford top right near towards the end. Yeah, so I just yeah. thought, so I actually logged in to try and change it at one point to Kane and it was just spinning circles. And I thought, do you know what, if he's top on, on review, um, you know, I'm probably going to end up regretting taking it off Rashford anyway. So I just left it on him. Uh, that obviously didn't work out. Um, I took a hit as well, but that was because Matoma was rumoured to be benched. And um, I could have not taken the hit and just played Isak, but I didn't know whether he was starting either. And then because of all the other sort of as my bench wasn't strong enough, I thought, where if one or two others don't play, because Estupinan didn't start, for example, he was in my mm-hmm. lineup. Um, I had Shah, it wasn't a particularly good fixture, and I can't remember who my other player was. But, um, sure, probably. Oh, yeah, Luke Shaw, who was out. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the borderline now where if I don't bring in someone else, I might, there's a chance I might have 10 or 11 players. So I thought, it's worth it. It's the final day. I'll bring in a hit. And the only player I could afford was Eze because I was taking out Matoma, like literally within the range. I didn't really want him. I wanted Saka is what I wanted. When I looked in, because yeah. of the Kane transfer from Haaland, there was obviously just not enough money to do that. So I thought, right, okay, I'm not going to, you know, mess around trying to find some sort of differential. You know, someone like Xhaka, for example, would have been world class when they're getting a brace for, for, for Arsenal. Yeah, and probably should have considered that, <laughs> I suppose, because um, it was a very good game to target that Arsenal fixture. You couldn't afford Erdogan. I know Erdogan just blanked anyway. No, but couldn't, no afford couldn't, him anyway. couldn't afford him anyway. So I just went with Eze because I thought I was trying to be too clever. Obviously, that didn't work out either. But my main man at the back that you pointed out, the uh, the Arsenal centre back, who, who I can't pronounce his name, that you've just been practicing. Kiwi or. Keep keep your okay. Uh, managed to score a goal, so I got some absolute jam on the final day. To be honest, because I never expected him to score a goal. Um, I was hoping he was going to get a clean sheet. Him and Everton were right near the top, but um, yeah, yeah. never guaranteed, of course. And then he chips in with a goal, which which really helped. So I was literally like a cane captain away from potentially getting. I, I haven't looked, but I don't think I'd be top ten k, but I'd be a lot closer. Finished on twenty eight k. Pretty happy with the season overall. Um, it's just. I think we're going to go through it a bit when we talk and we've had kind of different different starts and be, but we've kind of ended up around the same area but it, it's just a little bit more deflating I think when you start so well and then you have just a really bad patch and then you're yeah. always fighting to go back to that point and in the end I got very close to my best my best rank throughout the season was 10k and I finished at 28k so I kind of got almost there but I'm mm. um, happy overall it was it was you know decent season first season yeah. I would say using review properly every single week like I definitely went against it as we're gonna see a lot probably more than I should have but um it was the first time sort of I would say like baby steps into the world of playing in a, in a more analytical way and I'm gonna talk about how it helped me as well as we as we move forward you kind of picked it up last season didn't you although you had that fantastic season anyway yeah. you kind of picked it up halfway through um yeah, so yeah. I get. I kind of got in. I started using review like halfway through the season, but it's big. The reason I started using it because I was I was doing so well. And I was thinking oh, I need to make sure I make the most of this now, and don't do anything really stupid. And because we had those crazy double game weeks like back to back, I was just really unsure on what I needed to do because a lot mm. of people were taking massive hits. I didn't know whether that made sense for my team. So it was actually Simon uh, analytical. I think analytics FPL analytical FPL on Twitter mm-hmm. who I messaged a lot. Um. Um, and he like gave me advice and uh, initially he like said, oh, you should use review. I was using the free model. Eventually I got into paid for the massive data model and then like properly worked out how to use it and then found it really, really helpful for, to navigate those doubles. So this is also probably my 
yeah, this is also my first season properly using it. Um, and yeah, I guess it was a decent season. I finished in the end. I finished 51, uh, 51 or fifty-two k in the end. Um, mm. And which is yeah, it's fine. Like I think I was only maybe like fifteen points behind you or something. And in my head, your rank sounds a lot better. I guess because it's top fifty k. Um, but not much of a difference there. And uh, yeah, the, I, I got that green arrow or small green on the last day, even though I didn't have Kane because I bought Jesus and Saka. So that was a real gamble because I had no guarantee that either of them started. There was no mm. leak at all. Yeah, I just really, right. I just, I just really liked them as options. It was, it was that or Kane and Eze, and actually it worked out exactly the same points um, because I think I would have, I would have captain Salah even if I bought Kane. Um, yeah, and captain Salah, I guess at least he got an assist in the end. Um, uh, but he, he had chances, um, and it was, it was um, like I think it was definitely close between him and Kane. I think the thing, in hindsight, again it's always so easy to say in hindsight, but I wonder if the Kane and Eze route to captain Kane would have been better because I wonder if I didn't account enough for the weekend Liverpool lineup overall and just the context of Leeds having to score a goal, uh, possibly. Um, that's something I didn't really think through that obviously on review um, isn't going to be picked up as much, depending how much you use like the market odds, for example. Mm. Um, but yeah, overall, like uh, it was yeah annoying to like just miss out on top 50k by like one or two points. But yeah, overall, I think it was, it was decent. Um, yeah. And then like a fine last game week and Edison conceding late was, like really fitting way to end the season i felt <laughs> standard that's that's one one player i can congratulate myself on he was on three it's bonus tall. as well was he i, did, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that so was the... 10 points yeah three oh bonus and, uh, and a save point yeah i didn't save myself <laughs> from it fully because i had him the other time just before and um yeah i don't know how i ended up getting rid of him in the end i can't remember maybe how, how it happened but uh yeah he uh it, he didn't troll me because I played Raya and he actually got me some points as well. That was another area that I just totally didn't expect a clean sheet for Brentford at home. I thought maybe you'll get saves, but to, to get that. Yeah, there was yeah. there was lots of stuff on the final day. I mean, I didn't. We talked about through it. I, I, we didn't actually watch the matches live. I've watched some of the highlights back and stuff. Looked at some of the stats. I think Rashford had like 0.8 xG or something like that, like pretty high. So to him not to get something, and I saw the highlights where he I mean, he got put through on goal pretty much and. And fluffed it up. So, loads of ifs, buts, and maybes. But the thing is, it's so easy to see them in one week, isn't it? And of course, the whole season, how many of these things happen? Exactly. So, for anyone to even question that variances in this game, in in all areas as well, I don't just mean overall in the game, but like literally players missing just point blank chances and stuff like that can happen in any game or or whatever, um, is crazy. And all of that adds up, you know, across the season to just make that that particular outcome. It's like. I think even in even in hindsight, right, if we were to go back now for each of our teams, right, we made everything, the exact same decisions that we've made to this point, all the same transfers, all the same, everything exactly the same, but we just put our captain on the best player every week. I don't know if we'd have won FPL, but it would be extremely close, wouldn't it? So just that, like, maybe those 38 decisions, and maybe already about, I don't know, 25 of them we got right anyway because we captained our highest player. So it could just be like 9, 10 decisions slightly different. You could be within a shout or at least a oh, lot yeah. higher. Just just on that alone, which is just well, then, crazy to think about. Yeah, definitely. And then you also just get random individual ones, like, again, sorry to bring it up, but you were very close to getting Wilson, weren't you, as him or Shah last game? Absolutely, yeah. 37. Ultimately, if you bought him and then captained him, that's probably like a 40-point <laughs> swing or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's huge. So you also get random one-off huge swings in individual game weeks as well, as well as all those little things that add up over time. Mm. Um, and that's just that's a good example of it. Like, I think if people captain Wilson... Like absolutely fine. Like if they if they thought he was going to start both games, they read the X Men's like really well. He was on penalties, like really good decision. 
Like, I, I don't think those people uh, got lucky that Wilson scored more points. But obviously, for the difference in points to be that huge, um, there is luck. But that doesn't mean people also didn't make a good decision in going for him or going for him and Isaac. So, yeah, yeah, even, is... even good decisions, there can be loads of variance in. Like, even captaining Kane this week, again, a really good decision to captain him. Like, may well have been the best captain that others didn't pick up on. But for him to get his biggest haul of the whole season in that game week is also, like, lucky as well. It, mm. it can be both those things. Um, yeah, no. abs- that's what I think. Absolutely. I completely agree. You know, the decision, this is the really hard part when you look back, isn't it? It's trying to, again, separate the decision process from the outcome. You know, it's yeah. extremely hard to, to work that out. You know, the Wilson thing, yeah, when we now look at his minutes, we're like, okay, in hindsight, absolutely. And everyone would have had him, I, I suspect, if they knew he would play those minutes. Mm. Now you need to know, was that good play to guess those minutes and get that right? Or did you get lucky because those things were on tenterhooks and, and in another season, in another world, he doesn't play those games. I mean, he didn't start the, the, the final game of the season, did he? So we were yeah. we were kind of right, right, in terms of Wilson may not be able to play every game, but it just didn't happen in those that particular week. So it's very hard to like work out whether you made a good decision there or not. And I, that's why I see ultimately some people don't care about any of that. They just go, well, he, he scored really well in 37. So I did make the right decision. I don't think that's the right process to have, but I can understand why people like don't beat themselves and just go, yeah, that, that, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Um, I nearly, in, in 37, I nearly had like an absolute horror show because um, I the quadruple Newcastle defence, you know, three defenders and captain Trippier. And after the first game week, obviously, first game, I obviously had nothing from them. Uh, and also didn't have a Stupinan. So I was on a huge, I think I was down to 70k from 40k. Uh, and then thankfully, Trippy then got those two assists both in the first half. Mm. So it was a really swingy game week. And then suddenly at half time, I was thinking, wow, if they get the clean sheet here, it's going to turn into a, like a big green arrow all of a mm. sudden. And then it turned out being a small red. But that's just like, that's why double game weeks are so fun. It can just switch so quickly. And in that game, we get switched, not even in the second game, but in the last 10 minutes of the second game. <laughs> and he nearly scored again, Wilson as well. He was like through on goal like a minute after he scored as well, right at the end of stoppage time. Yeah. Um, but that's like a good example of a swingy game week. And I, I think in general, I don't know if you'd agree, but I feel like in general this season, my, I've either been doing really badly or really well. I think mine's fluctuated a lot more, whereas you started really well and have been really solid the whole time. And had obviously, like everyone had bad and good periods, but have generally been around the same area, whereas mine's been maybe a bit more extreme in both directions mm. in terms of luck and also how well or how badly I've played, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think I've done too much too much different throughout the season. I would say that when the bad results start coming, I seem to be, I think it maybe is more just happenstance because of the double game weeks and stuff. I'm more liable to take hits and correct stuff when my team's doing bad. But that, that makes sense anyway, right? Because usually if your team's doing bad, it's because you've ended up with bad players or you've ended up with injuries or, or something's happened where then you yeah. need to fix a problem. And therefore, like using single transfers is, is quite often too slow. So mm-hmm. it, again, that's hard to work out. Um, yeah, there's, there's loads of things we could point back at. So many different things. I could go on forever talking about this sort of stuff. Like, you know, people, the decision for people to get Alvarez in, like, I think it was quite early on, maybe. I can't remember what game week it 15, was, but like 15. Four, 15, Alvarez. Yeah, as in uh, there was the week where it was two weeks before the the Christmas wildcard we had to wildcard. Oh, okay. Harlem, Harlem was benched. Right, okay, that time. Yeah, I was talking about the more recent one where... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah just a couple of games. Obviously, the, the league's yeah. completely done, um, or, or it wasn't actually when people were getting him, and they were estimating his expected minutes. And I think he's pretty much... I think he got benched maybe once and played nearly every game. Yeah. You know, I'm the guy who spends all the time on Man City. I didn't see that coming. I thought De Bruyne and Haaland would play, and then therefore there's not much room for him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it just ended up that De Bruyne ended up getting injured. And, you know, so was that a good decision to get him or not? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's really hard to work out. Maybe he was always due to play anyway. Again, that's where it's hard to know, because, particularly with that example, because you can, someone's opinion might be, oh, those people got lucky because three starts were unlikely. And the people who bought him will think, well, actually, I thought he would start three times. And actually, I feel unlucky because mm. he only returned in one of those three that's matches. What I mean. yeah. So, you know, well, people went big on like triple Man City attack, for example. Again, they'd feel annoyed that, like, if you got Foden, for example, and really called it, they would play a lot in these last few game weeks. You'd be really annoyed because <laughs> you feel like you deserve something out of that. He played so well as well. And you got game. some, maybe got one or two returns. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. So yeah, you'd feel like, oh, you could easily have had a hole there. Yeah, um, Bruno was the poster boy. Jack's in the chat saying about missing a deadline and um, and Bruno cost him. Yeah, I think Bruno was uh, was a big part of the back back end of a lot yeah, of players' seasons. I, I I had him and then took him out when I thought he was injured and then got him back again for a hit and it's only the very final day he actually returned any points but yeah. I think he was top for XGI for like five six weeks in a row or something or at least near the top for, for quite a while um, even though De Bruyne got way more assists than anyone this season Bruno created the highest XG so had the highest XA all season mm. of all players and I think that was just total so I don't think that's per 90 so that might be partly why uh, I've not looked at it per 90 but okay. he, he, had a, he had a really good season Makes sense, but obviously Man United haven't had a striker all year, have they? So that's you know. And and uh, De Bruyne is at Haaland, who's a freak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was. I was. um, I did a little. I saw you did as well, like a little team of the season, and it's so hard to know whether to include those players at City who like didn't play for that long, but when they did, were really good. Like Diaz, for example. Mm. Or even De Bruyne, like has played less minutes than a lot of other midfielders, but you kind of have to include him because he's so good. Oh, De Bruyne. Yeah, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Again, it depends. The last few months. It depends what you're basing it on. It's like if it's like who's the best player, then obviously De Bruyne's getting in there full stop. Like if it's then you know total assists, then he gets in there. But mm. for me, he did like for his standards, De Bruyne, he wasn't actually that good this season, which is weird to say because he he obviously got loads of assists and he started to play. He, there was patches without a doubt where he was very good, but there was He's periods also been where really he was good in really the Champions League, particularly as well. Yeah, in those yeah. semi-finals. I always um, err on the side of like give the person who rarely gets any limelight in those situations. It's like if there's two players where I'm not sure, I think, well, I'll give this one a go because they'll never see the day of light again, basically. And De Bruyne's always going to be in the conversation every single season. But yeah, I suppose that's not the best criteria to pick it on. Yeah. 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 Let's um, let's have a little look through our teams then quickly. I don't want to. It's not going to be just about me and Sam's teams for, for here. We are going to do a little bit of that, but um, and answer some questions as well. It's just a very chilled out stream, hopefully. Um, but I've brought up my team from FPL Review um, on the screen here. Now, Sam, do you want to talk us through what these things mean? Because I think yeah. you, for anyone who doesn't know, um, you know, and it can be quite confusing. I've seen a lot on Twitter, actually, that people, as they start churning out this, this stuff, the analytical guys, you get lots of questions in the, in the comments about what it means. So um, FPL and rank, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? We'll move on from there. Yeah, so this is basically a, um, a page you can... Find if you go to FPL Review's website and go to, I think it's like season review or something like that, you input your team ID and you get this table with all these different numbers for your team for the season. At the top one is just your FPL rank. That's all that is. So really simple. Then there's your XG data. Now that's all post event. So that's basically where your um, where your rank would be if you basically exclude finishing. So for example, if you picked a defender and they conceded one goal in that game, um, but from... No, only one shot they conceded that was on target or one shot they conceded and it was from distance. Um, 
your XG data, that will improve your rank there um, because it's either a sign that of bad goalkeeping, good finishing or luck. So it excludes finishing, which can be really kind of noisy and random as well. So it gives you a really good idea actually of decision making, uh, particularly defensively and in terms of whether you picked attackers who got chances ultimately. So, for example, someone who has a really high XG rank <laughs> uh, and a really low FPL, FPL rank might have had Edison in goal for long periods. Yeah. Or might have owned Darwin Nunes for a good amount of time. Where he had it's, all, it's almost hindsight optimal, isn't it, in terms of, like, you pick the players that on expected data at least should have mm. done the best. And it, it's often not known beforehand because you have to have the match happen after you've made the pick. The pick. So, yeah. in hindsight, whoever has XG1, if XG was a perfect indicator of what you would do, then you would be the best manager and you would have come number one as well. Like, yes. that, that, that's the way I'd view it anyway. That's right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, probably. And what is it, if you, if you had the number one XG rank, you're not necessarily have the number one FPL rank. No, you wouldn't because it doesn't mirror it in real life. But if oh, sorry, XG yeah, was yeah. perfect and yes, if you have yeah, one yeah. XG, you score one goal, then obviously it, it yeah. should technically marry up, I guess, because you'd have had the best data and stats throughout the whole season. Yeah, that's basically a really good measure, like post-event of mm. how well you called it. So if you use a lot of XG data to make decisions, the chances are you'll have quite a good rank there. Yeah. Um, then there's free model and massive data. They're basically two different models that FBL has. The massive data one is in greater detail, and it's higher quality. Um, and that's where you'd be based on that. Now, that's all pre-event. So basically, how high was your expected value uh, across all the game weeks? Um, how many points um, did you expect to get? And where would that rank to you amongst other people? Now, that's not as simple as saying, oh, if you just followed review every season, you're always going to have a good massive data rank. It's not necessarily that simple, because it also depends when you are carded. It depends depends whether you free hit it in a good week for example it depends if you're overall doing well and therefore have more team value and are able to get more ev that mm. way long term um but generally when you make when again, you made your transfers in the week as well right because exactly, the data yeah. changes during the week yeah but generally if you like use again if you use that model massive data model generally mm. that rank is going to be higher um but there are lots of other things to um that that accounts for as well and in variance this is something i actually learned just this week that the percentage of variance uh, is basically how lucky you were uh, in comparison to other managers. So Luke's here says 49.9%. So he was uh, basically bang in the middle in terms of how lucky managers got. Mm. Um, and that is a mixture of your points in comparison to the massive data model and also takes into account XG data. So we'll take into account things like strikers getting chances but missing them or teams conceding from very few shots. Now, again, the word luck there isn't a perfect definition because it's not luck if you choose a goalkeeper who's not very good at stopping shots, for example. <laughs> uh, you know, it, overall, it is really, really noisy and it's the same with finishing, but there are outliers there. You know, there are really good finishers and keepers who are bad at saving shots in general, but mm. that's very hard to predict. Um, so, yeah, that's what that means. And I mean, maybe if you chat it through, mate, now, because that's your team and kind of where you are on there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with that. I, I think I talked about it right at the start. I, I definitely used review throughout the whole season and I would solve, I think, every week, um, sometimes multiple times. Um, so I'm not surprised that it's pretty good. Like, I think that's pretty good. Uh, 2,500 for XG, roughly 900 in both of free model and massive data. Um, obviously, the variance one is not one you can really do much about. That's just you know part and parcel of the game. Um, I'd like to have had better variance, but it wasn't terrible. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's OK. For me, I think if I want that to be better, and I, 
you know, we must stress again, if you even if you had number one in free model or massive data or NXG, it doesn't mean you're live rank. I mean, you could have potentially even had a worse rank than me. It doesn't perfectly correlate. But in general, it does seem to correlate very, very well. And that's why we do this. And I think in the in the last season in particular, it was incredible how, how close it was. For, the, for anyone who's watching this who follows analytical accounts, they'll see that a lot of the top analytical guys, when they've posted their stuff, you know, they're all in sort of the top 100 of this sort of data and sometimes even like the top 10. And you know, then you look at their rank as well, and it's very, very often, you know, top top 3K, top 10K. Um, so that's what I've got to strive to get to, I think, is to try and um, I don't want to ignore my my instinct for stuff, but just try and curb it a little bit. Because I think as well, I I, I just took too many hits overall again. Like I took loads last season. I hit, Here I took 13 hits throughout the season, which is... Um, yeah, that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot, but I took two minus 12s in that in two individual weeks. So what's 13? Mm. Is that 50, 52? Is my bad? Yeah. bad? 56? Yeah. yeah. Um, so then that's a lot of points, right? I mean, that makes a big difference. And often when I've done them and I look through my game week history, whenever those weeks I, I were that took hits, I, I usually got a red arrow. I think one I got green, the rest were all red. And that's kind of expected when you take hits, I guess. But it is a, a sign where a lot of the time I bet whether I looked at my team, if I didn't take the hits and just elite left my team or my bench player came in. Um, I probably would just do a lot better overall. So again, I just need to try and focus like on that area of it. And I think that will, as a result, improve in all these areas here, not necessarily XG data, but in terms of the massive data, definitely. Um, I'm just going to flick very briefly to a screen as well from from review where I asked him about hits. I'll come back to this in a minute. So um, yeah, this is what review told me. So I asked him to do some estimation on the average amount of point hits taken. So the top bit here where it says top 1K, that's in the actual game. So the top 1K in FPL took on average 28.5 hits across the season, which is points a, worth. Yeah. a point's worth of hits, yeah. yeah, which is pretty low. And as you can see, top 10K, 31.3, so slightly more. Top 500K, 37.4. So as you'd expect, as you start to go lower ranks, they've taken more hits. Now, you can see also from his chat at the bottom there, there are... There are certain situations where obviously if you are doing very well and your team is doing very good and you're getting lucky and you're not getting injuries, then you probably don't find yourself in situations where you need to take hits. So it's not just directly that the hit is bad. You, you've also got the luck where you don't even need to take the hit in the first place. So you have to factor that in. But the standard procedure you can see there is that you know less hits is generally correlates with a better rank. And then we go to the match day ranks as well, which is um, sorry, massive data ranks. from. <laughs> I always say match day. I don't know why. Massive data. Uh, top 100, 13.7 was the average there for the analytical mm. players. So that is what um, less than half of what the top 1K did in hits. So even more so. And a lot of those guys will be in the top 1K or in and around it because of that high massive data rank. Yeah. And even the top 1,000, 23.3, even less than the top 1K. So going back to my play style and what I've done, I really, really need to work on having a better squad overall, I think, and just taking less hits. And hopefully that will bring all those things in line and it will make me a better manager. So that's what I'm going to try and do even more. I managed to cut it in half this season. Maybe I could, if I can cut it in half again, then I'll be really in happy. Half? Well, that was a lot last season, the season before. <laughs> yeah, it was like 100 yeah. points in hits, literally, yeah. and that was, what, 50 I, um, something. Something I've um, realised this season as well is not just the... Cause, um, Analytical players and like you'll if you use review you'll realise it just loves a good deep squad um, and having good bench players and I didn't and I get that for like when your players get injured you've always got someone to come in but I, mm. I've only kind of realised this season the value in that in terms of avoiding there's a lot of value in it in you know if a player doesn't play but there's way more value in just in giving you more flexibility with transfers 
So if you do get an injury the following week, you're way less likely to use a transfer. Um, you can play your, one of your strong bench players and then suddenly you've got two transfers to use in one go rather mm. than using one at a time. Um, so it's that it delays you having to make transfers and delays you having to make decisions um, in general as well. And I think I only kind of got to grips with that this season, why that's important. Yeah. Whereas if you have a really, even if you just have one like playing the first sub, um, it just takes one player to have an awful fixture and suddenly you're playing the suboptimal team the next yeah. week with an injury or you you're making a transfer. Or do yeah. whatever, yeah. So it's that uh, flexibility it gives you. Um, and you lose out a little bit in your first 11, but it's outweighed um, by that flexibility and how that works out long term. So yeah, I definitely learned that more this year. Yeah, um, There's, like anything, there is a balance to be had, but I think... I think that's just really important for me in particular and maybe other people to bear in mind for the start of next season is because especially at the very start when you have such limited budget and we don't have any information on players, um, the sort of the desire comes to have like the strongest level you can possibly have. And you start putting all these four million and four point five million players on your bench just to try and fit in as many premiums as you can and stuff. And I think as you get closer to the to the start of the game, it starts to happen. And with that smaller budget, it is hard. But I think I'm going to try to at least have you know, some viable bench options. It all depends on price at the end of the day. If they misprice yeah. some players and you've got Ben White's at 4.5 million and stuff, then, you know, you can you can kind of make it work anyway. But it it's just so something it, I want to bear in mind. Something that's worth saying here is that the difference between what you can, the difference between top 1K, top 10K and top 500K in terms of average hits taken, that's really easy to like explain in terms of if you're in the top 1K, the likelihood is you had a better start. So your team's in a better position, so you just need to make less transfers. So it's kind of really easy to explain that way, but the difference between the top 1K and the massive data like 1K, that difference, uh, again, is more interesting uh, because it just shows a difference in, in style of play. Um, Absolutely. Well. And, and I suppose you could even point out actually here as well, because I think a lot of analytical managers will, will, will say the same, that they do play in this safe way. Um, and just being in the in the massive data top 100 doesn't guarantee you to be in a top 1K. Definitely not. That can never happen yeah. for sure. But there's a big difference there, isn't there? So maybe some of these managers, you can even point it the other way and say, maybe if they were more open to the like one or two more hits, they may have had an impact on their 1K. Yeah. I mean, you have to get the player right. You know, mm. out of 100 people who take those extra hits, probably three of them, they win out of that and 97 don't. But do you want to be one of those three people? And we're back down to, do you want to increase your variance towards the back end of the season and stuff and and take those gung-ho approaches? I mean, we I think the winner overall this season made some, it's always going to happen when you look back at their seasons and look at the luck. They had some crazy luck, but you know, sometimes just having those gung-ho plays seems to, you know, he is that anomaly of that data, right? <laughs> you, yeah. But how do you just guarantee that you're that you're that one? You just can't. You can't guarantee you'll be the one. You're more likely to be one of the ones who suffers. But it's certainly something to consider, I think, if you're... And I suppose they probably did. Uh, a lot of the guys who were in and around it who had a certain goal at the end probably did something a little bit suboptimal in the last couple of weeks in the hope that it worked. So fair yeah. play. Yeah, yeah. Right, should we yeah. go to your team, Sam? Mm. So this is the basically the same, um, exactly the same table, but for uh, my team rather than Luke's. And so my massive data number is 310, so pretty low, and same XG data is 394, and I think a lot of that was, again, Nunes had <laughs> him for so long compared to other people. Um, uh, but my overall rank is 51K. Um, now, I think, I actually think, I think from the top of my head that, um, my massive data number and XG number is really, really similar to last season. And last season, I've seen I finished 1.8K. Right. So there's a big difference there in terms of variance. So my variance is minus 41 points and uh, was luckier than 28% of managers, so a bit lower. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely lots of luck there. One thing that's interesting as well, if you if you um, 
put your team through this as you see another image that you can see on the screen now if you're watching on YouTube that shows ex-min security. That, so that kind of shows how many players you bought that played mins and that's more of a, so mine's a lot higher than Luke's there as well, which just shows a difference in style of play. I think you take a lot more risks in terms of uh, a player with with lower ex-mins but has a higher upside if he does start. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I'm a lot more safer and just like players I know that are going to play. Um, so again, that's not, that's not the ones better. It's, in fact, it's not as big a difference as I thought it would be, but a little difference. Um, but that, that's just I generally played safer, though, play. this season, I think. I generally yeah. did play a lot safer. Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a few I can point to, though. It's, it's like, you always remember the ones that go, wet, like, well, I didn't even end up getting him in the end. But a lot of people got Iwobi, right? And I was saying Cerebi is the one to go for. His XG was much better. He ended up outperforming Iwobi in that double game week. Um, but I didn't even end up doing that one. So it's stuff like that where I'd be happy to more take the chance, right? And that's why I was so annoyed at myself for the Callum Wilson thing. Right? That that was yeah. the one that really hurt me. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. Um, so I actually think overall I played pretty similarly in terms of how well I played. Well, you played better. You can say it. It's okay. No, I didn't. so I actually think my massive data rank was actually slightly better last season, but it was like 200 and something, like late 200s off the top of my head. Oh, okay. I, mean, was I, that, I, was, was, I was pointing to me. You played better oh, sorry. than me. Oh, sorry. Sorry, possibly, yeah. Um, the number but yeah um yeah i don't know but we only finished within like 10 or 15 points of each other anyway mm. and just and it's just that variance like um it, it can be huge like for most people generally you'll finish like generally about where you probably should finish for most people but that's really like a massive generalization and you will have people when there's 10 million people playing a game there will be people on the far extreme end mm. of both of those things who will finish like top 1k and have been extremely lucky and you'll see variant scores of like 150 plus and you'll see some that are like negative over 100 or 150 so you will have those people on the far end as well um but yeah like overall i'm like fairly happy with my season to be honest so, you know, yeah and if anyone knows how to manage like, that if anyone knows how to, to to manage the the luck part of it then please let me know <laughs> how to get better variants yeah. yeah i saw in his yeah, list here yeah. you've put top 10k about oh, yes neg- i saw a tweet from uh, so FBL Review tweeted to say that there were only 15 managers in the top 10,000 managers. So what's that? Like less than 0.01% or something um, who had a negative variance score. So mm. of those top 10K managers, 9,895, whatever it is, have um, um, have positive variance. So those 15 managers have done unbelievably well and made really good decisions to get in there despite actually being a bit unlucky. So it shows just how much luck you do need like luck to get into the top 10k but again most of those top 10k players will have played really well also so it's not taking anything away from them yeah and some will have played very badly though as well and just extremely lucky yeah Yeah. Yeah. and there'll be some people who played really well that are like 250k (laughs) i did a a tweet about that like a couple of days ago um just saying that the you know the the game is just so wild so don't get caught up on a number but when we attach you know when there's ultimately one number measures how good you are overall rank well for most people like it is easy for people to get attached to that and you've just got to remember like it's it's an absolutely nuts game like you can play well and do really awfully you can play badly and do really well in any game week but also over the course of the whole season mm. um as well and i think i've also like um i've definitely appreciated this season the importance in team value like generally i don't take too much uh don't read too much into team value in terms of it doesn't outweigh the the value of weight uh of making it making a transfer later in the week like the difference of like 0.1 in team value is not big enough to 
outweigh having more uh, knowledge to make decisions. Mm. But in terms of like selling players and losing a lot of team value, that had a lot, lot a big knock on effect for my team. So for example, game week 15, I when we knew Haaland was benched, in my head I was like, oh, it's only two more game weeks. I know Alvarez is starting. So I sold Haaland for Alvarez, captain Alvarez. He actually scored, so did well for one game week. Uh, but then that didn't work out well in 16. And then suddenly I went into that break and had like a million less value to spend on my team. Yeah. So then I didn't put nearly enough value in team value. Um, so that's definitely something I've learned is that just that was a definitely a bad decision to sell Haaland at that time, even though I know I, even though I knew I could buy him straight back. Um, the knock on effect was huge for me because that resulted in me not having other players and just having a worse team um, from game week 16, 17 onwards. Yeah, um, so that's something I've definitely learned. And then in terms, another thing that I think, not that necessarily that I've learned, but that's just been like emphasised more for me is just the the importance of predicting minutes and how that's such a huge part of the game, um, as well in terms of being good at it. It's a huge skill element, I think, uh, in terms of predicting that. And there's there's a lot of luck involved in it, but I think if generally if you have a good read on it, you're going to be better than other players. And that's one of the reasons I really don't want. A lot of people want a deadline at kickoff of the first game. That's one of the reasons I don't want that is because it's just another thing that makes the game easier for everyone, uh, basically. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that because it's just unsolvable, isn't it, as to what they do mm. if you don't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, ultimately, if you have it at the first kickoff, I just think you could have Man City playing at 12.30, three game weeks in a row, and people just end up rotating their Man City midfielder. Mm. And it just really makes the game more restricted. But yeah. I think on that note, the one that you picked up on there saying that you thought it was a mistake to sell Haaland to Alvarez, like... I think I do agree with it just because in that scenario, there's pretty much no scenario you can think of where you probably don't buy Haaland back at some point towards from that because of how good he was. Oh yeah, because, it was 100% yeah. getting him in 17 for that. Free yeah. Card, yeah. And because like, the difference in price, like sometimes when it's like borderline, for example, like you think the player could drop to a point where it's barely going to affect you, you can sort of get away with it. But when it's that's probably not going to happen, you are literally just throwing money away, aren't you? It, yeah, on, yeah. on essentially one week. And it could be a really good week. Like it was a good week, but... Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And I have to bear that in mind for next season. Yeah. We're in a similar situation where it's like, mm, do I really want to do it for just one or two weeks? And then probably have to buy the guy back for an extra million in, in like... Yeah. it's a long-term probably, impact. Probably not, yeah. It was actually that impact. game week... It was the game week where Alvarez scored really early and then Cancelo got sent off and just killed the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Haaland actually came off the bench and he scored like a penalty in the last minute of stoppage time. Yeah. I will yeah. say as well, though, I had a really high... Well, seemed to compared to most like a pretty decent team value I don't, I don't really actually, high actually yeah it was really yeah, I high I'd, I'd look at your team I don't really remember doing anything in particular to make that happen I didn't even make that early early transfers that often um so I don't really know how that season good start to yeah the season. really good start to the season I didn't sell Haaland you know I had Trippier early there, there was lots of different things like that I suppose that contributed but it didn't really help me despite me saying that I think it's really important to have a good squad um, and you know, you would have thought, therefore, having a high team value would help in that area. It didn't really help me towards the back end, like mm. for whatever reason. I just, you know, I had stuff like I had Isak over Solanke, and then like because I could afford yeah. it, but then that didn't really benefit me because Solanke outscored Isak anyway. Mm. And you know, maybe that's just bad luck at the end of the day. But yeah, when you were talking about the minutes there, I think again, just getting players who, who are on the pitch is just. It is so important. I know you can look at an individual game week and you can go, oh, okay, this player came off the bench and he hauled and he can do it in 10, meet, 10 minutes and, and all this palaver. That's great. But overall, when you look at the broad sort of picture and we've got players like McAllister in our team and, you know, he showed it towards the back end. All the Brighton players that just weren't playing in the doubles, they suddenly become much, much poorer options as a result. And just not having players on the pitch, you know, Rashford not starting, all that stuff had a big effect on our teams towards the end, I think. You know, ended up scraping the barrel in some areas, mm-hmm. having to make hits as a result. 
the players just not appearing. I don't know how much you could judge that, I'm not sure, but it's um you know, it's just food it's food for thought that again next time yeah. when the when the opportunity presents itself for a player like Amares, yes, you can take that chance, but it's not just the you know, he has to get the points on the pitch, first of all, and he has to turn uh, and he and he has to turn up and then you potentially have to use a transfer as well down the line to then get rid of him. It's like it's too much of an impact on your team when probably just avoiding it overall is a good decision. I mean for, the, for a guy who spends all his time looking at Man City, I barely owned any Man City players this season. I literally had Haaland. I had Edison at the point where it made set from the beginning of the season, I think it was game week one, and then one other time. And I think I bought Ake and Grealish with two other players that came into my team at various points where it kind of made sense to me. But there was a reason why why I avoided them, you know. I do the I predictions, and it's funny. Everyone always says, oh, you said he was going to start. Yeah, I think he was going to start. But it's only a prediction. You know, I'm not confident enough to bring him into my team. It's literally we're yeah. talking yeah. prediction as people have asked me. Um yeah, and I suppose the same thing's going to happen again, probably. But anyway, I had, uh, had Ward and Iverson in, in game week one. <laughs> I was very close to doing that. Very close to doing that. <laughs> and then speak- I sold, sold one of them, and then then Ward <laughs> literally from the next game week, Ward and that went on that crazy run of like yeah. clean sheets and. And this is why Jan, if anyone knows him on Twitter, is just the absolute goat of this game. I think he's seventh best overall manager now, and it's just like based on the last few seasons alone where he started picking this up, and it's just. He literally was, <laughs> he didn't have order Everson from the beginning and they were awful for those first eight games, like five points or something in eight weeks or yeah. something. And then he gets them on wildcard in eight ahead of their good run. And everyone else sold them. When everyone else is avoiding or selling. And then, yes, they absolutely got lucky to get like five or six clean sheets in a row, like without a doubt. But the fixtures were there and the value yeah. made yeah. sense. And he just manages to block all, block all that stuff out and just go with what it says. Yeah, triple Brighton midfield, triple yeah, yeah, Newcastle triple defense, yeah. like doesn't care about any of that stuff and that. That's where I want to get to. He's like the holy grail for me to get to that, that level <laughs> he's excellent, of yeah. zen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's really good. Another thing I was just going to mention is hits. So I only took four hits all season. It's really impressive. So yeah, but uh, there's probably one or two times I think in hindsight I probably should have taken him on when I didn't. But I just have the opposite problem to you where I'm too scared to take him. <laughs> um, but I also think it's part of the way I set my team up because I set my team up with more secure minutes. It's just less often that it's yeah. EV positive for me to take one. Uh, because I've got generally have players who play more minutes as well. But yeah, I, th- I took four. I took two fairly early on, actually. Um, maybe there's around... Were there postponed fixtures early? I can't remember. We had but the... I took, p- took two early on, and then I took two around double game weeks towards the end as well. Yeah, and we then... had the, the Queen's death, didn't we? Fairly early on. That was it, yeah. Did that result in hits? I can't remember. Well, we missed that was a whole game, game week, console, week. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I only took four. The season before, I only took three. And that was even more... But that again, that was because I had such a ridiculous start. I was... Kept getting lucky and was in a position where I didn't need to, but I should have taken more towards the end of the season. I was sat really badly for one of the last doubles. So, yeah, my problem is that I don't take enough, actually. So it's, there's, a, there's a middle ground for both of us, I think. Um, yeah. To be fair, I think nearly all of mine were at least on the borderline where it was like either EV positive, like about the same or maybe just slightly under. Yeah. So it's not it's not like I ever took them if it was just crazy. Um I think the minus yeah. 12 I took, where I've got in Salah and Ditch Kane and all that stuff, generally worked out pretty well. Like one of mine was, um, one of mine was Raya to Edison and uh, or Kepa to Ed- uh, yeah Raya to Edison, and like for that one game week because Edison had a double, um, his EV was actually four points higher. So I thought, oh, this could actually work out in one game week. So it made so much sense. And then Edison had like an extra fixture even between then and the end of the season. So that that was an absolute no-brainer one for me because I knew I didn't. My team wasn't set up to ever have three Man City outfielders, so that was a really easy one. It sadly didn't work out. <laughs> um, yeah, didn't he play one game of the double and concede? He played one then, and then he dropped, was dropped for yeah. the ones and then conceded late. Yeah, he was 
I was probably about, I'd imagine I was about minus 10 or 12 down on that move in the end. Yeah, probably. Edison probably and Darwin can contribute a lot to that XG data of yours, I would say. Those two players, definitely unlucky in di- from different ends of the spectrum there. Oh, but both yeah. incredibly unlucky. Like, the only one with, with Darwin, I didn't have him for 16 when he got a brace. Then I had him from 17 <laughs> all the way through. And then when everyone wildcarded in 26, I also sold him that week and he's braced again. So I, I had him in between two braces. And I think he scored two goals across those like nine or ten game weeks. <laughs> yeah, madness. I think we've got a question later about our lowest point, and I'll, I'll get to that. Mine, mine, definitely, <laughs> the, definitely the week I wildcarded. We'll, we'll get to that. Like literally fifty points difference between my. That's team. one of my high points. <laughs> God's sake, that that destroyed me to be honest. Um, I'm just being up on the screen and rank compare between me and Sam across the season. Um, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Game weeks yeah. at the bottom. We've got rank at the side. As you can see, Sam start was. Nowhere near as good as mine. Mine was particularly good, though. I mean, you, where your rank is and where you started, I don't think that was bad at all. I think that's like pretty. Is that 250,000 you've got at the top there? Or is it 2.5 million? It's 2.5 million. Isn't 2 million, it? yeah. It's 2 million. Yeah. So between 1 and, and 3 million in a it's game. It's fine for a start, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's totally yeah. fine. It was like a pretty good start. I just had a really exceptional start. And that's why my disappointment's quite high. But you can see that you really caught me up. We both had a terrible period, really, um, after World Cup, which I think was quite common amongst a lot of analytical players, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. And then, again, you caught me up in the in the weeks afterwards, and then we kind of leveled out and ended up just about the same. So, yeah, if yeah. you'd have had my start and then your your graph from then on, you could have done particularly well. Um, yeah, one, so, game week one to fifteen looks bad on mine, but actually, it's, that's quite normal to be that high. You just started really well, and then by fifteen, I'd like got to hundred k, and I was like, this is great. And then yeah, it was from 15 and then beyond Christmas that it was really bad. And then I was 600k in game week 25. <laughs> and that, that was just two weeks before I wildcarded. And then you can Mad. see we both we both wildcarded and did well. But I just did it, yeah, did extremely well. I got from 600k to uh, 50k within seven game weeks. Yeah, Crazy. From, from 26 through till 36, or 30, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Is there anything forward. to learn here, right, in terms of the World Cup? Because it split the season. I know we're not going to have the same situation this season, um, but I suppose we'll probably use a wild card roughly around the same time, well, maybe a little bit later. But we'll use a wild card essentially, which is what the World Cup was. It was a it was a wild card, wasn't it, for all intensive yeah. purposes? Change our entire team. Like I just, for whatever reason, apparently didn't adapt to the new status quo. I don't know if it was bad luck or or what. Like it felt like it was bad luck at the time, but maybe I just made really poor decisions. I'll have to go back and have a look because, for me, I think Man City were all over the place, weren't they, when they came back? Yeah. You know, Cancelo, I had Cancelo in my team. He just got dropped and then sold. You know, I kept convincing myself he'd come back. There, there was various things I can think of that were that were pretty bad, but mm. you know, Harland Harland wasn't working out. Yeah, Man City were just dreadful, I think. So maybe that's why it had that impact. Yeah. For me, it was obviously because I didn't have Trippier. But there were other things as well, I think. Did you have Foden on the on the restart? I got I got Foden. Like, he went on yeah. his really good run and I got Foden. And then, yeah, he didn't he didn't play either. Um, I don't know if that was after the restart or not. I mean, I have to go was, back and check. Uh, but. Yeah. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But it's yeah, probably worth also, going also, back and looking at what... Edison, Edison and Kepa around then as well. Edison um, and Kepa, 100%. Again, that didn't work yeah. out for weeks. Uh, Darwin was about that time as well. Um, there are a few different things, I think. I don't think there were any... Were there any big captaincy swings? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. I, I had... I mean, I know there was one mistake I made for sure. That was Chalabar. <laughs> I got oh, him yeah. in my wild card. He played 12 games in a row for Chelsea and I got him in and then he just didn't play again pretty much all yeah. season like, towards the back end. Reese James... 
I made a mistake with Cucurella as well. Yeah. I went Cucurella and was really confident in it. And then I think the game week after, lots of people went for Shaw and he scored. Yeah, that that was another one of my low points. I went Digne over Shaw and he scored scored his goal versus Bournemouth and he got 15 points or something stupid. That was so annoying, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Cucurella was a mistake for me as well, I think. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Right, let's move on to um next slide here, which you got Sam off of XG Philosophy. It's expected points. Apologies if you're on like a handheld device or whatever. You probably can't see this too well. I'm I'm squinting myself, but um because it's a vertical versus horizontal on our slides, it's the best I could do. Um but I I mean it's really quite interesting. I only saw it just before the pod after you sent me, but we've got expected data on the left hand side in terms of expected points, um, based on obviously the, the XG philosophy of each game, which they tweet out often. And then the actual result of where they finished. Mm. Um, I just think, again, once again, it just shows you how good expected data is overall as a as a general predictor. Everyone is pretty damn close to where you'd expect it. There are a few outliers that are probably relatively significantly different, but even those aren't huge. I mean, Fulham and West Ham yeah. we looked at, didn't we, which mm. are, are particularly particularly different, but. It's just a, I suppose it's a nod to the fact that, again, it looks like we're doing kind of the right thing by following the expected data, the expected points. And there's there's always, it's almost like a quantum mechanics, isn't it? Where you can't, it's never going to be exact. It's always going to be like an approximate measurement of where they should roughly be within a certain field. And that is pretty much what we're seeing here. Yeah, I guess for, again, for people listening who can't see it, it just compares the actual table to an XG table um, and how far teams have moved. And the interesting thing is for those teams that have, got a big difference is then it's a discussion point about what's the reason for that was it bad finishing was it luck was it bad goalkeeping was it good goalkeeping because they're the main things aren't they finishing is one of them because it shows you the chance, quality of the chances they had the second one is goalkeeping if you had a really good goal stopper a shot stopper or a, or a poor one and then the third one is just luck um, of teams missing big chances against you for example um, and then some muddiness as well just because xg is not perfect um, as well so yeah and you're gonna and also you're gonna have referee decisions in there for the points yeah. you're gonna have red cards yeah. you're gonna have uh handballs you're gonna have var situations like it, you, you that's why you're never gonna have it bang on even if we had like perfect correlation between the data there's always going to be other factors as well that can affect the game um, yeah. But, yeah but yeah despite all that and it's again, still like, incredibly close and like game state as well like a team could have really high xg but it was in a game where they won six nil um, the, the game that was already won, and then they create loads of chances, and in, yeah. in a way, those chances are meaningless. You're generating XG, but it doesn't it doesn't actually matter. Whereas, like one high XG chance created in, in a nil nil match in the last ten minutes is high, way more valuable. So, yeah, it doesn't account for that too. But so to come out, I guess to pick out a couple of teams like um, uh, United, for example, there's a bit of a difference there. They're almost like switched with Brighton. So actually, based on expected data. There's a good chance that Brighton might have been in the top four this season. That doesn't really surprise me, having just watched them no. play all season and watched some of the chances they've missed mm. um, as well. And it's a thing as well that a lot of people discussed when Potter went to Chelsea. They had a run where, when he initially was there, where they were, in fact, they were they were also not creating many chances, but the chances they were creating, they just kept missing. Mm. And because that used to happen at Brighton, people were saying, oh, is it a Graham Potter thing? But mm. I don't think it is. Like, Brighton have continued to do that um, as well since Potter left. And like, how much can a manager influence finishing, for example? Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it just it just shows how good Brighton are that they could have been in the top four this season, which would have been great fun. But yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fun to watch them in Europe anyway. Is there anything to take out of this for next season? I know things will change, right? We'll have different managers in a lot of situations. We'll have different players. 
you know we'll have different fixture lists we'll have all sorts of different things but um I suppose if there is anything to take out of it it's stuff like Arsenal did actually a lot better than their expected data suggested now a lot of you could say well because it's recency bias I guess Arsenal tailed off towards the back end they knew the league was done they had some harder fixtures maybe that had in but this is across the whole season right so yeah. overall Arsenal probably weren't as close to, to Man City as they should have been and, and mm. I suppose Man City as well as you can see actual their expected data wasn't as good as it was in previous years yeah. you know, despite having Haaland which is something I suppose a you know, it's just stuff to take, to bear in mind, I guess, that you know, Arsenal might not push them as close. And we have to factor in that these players are going to go up in price, right? There is absolutely no chance. So despite FPL being pretty terrible at pricing players, we're not going to have Martinelli, Odegaard and Saka at the ranges that we had them this time. I don't know, I don't know what they're going to be, nine and a half and stuff like that for some of these players, I guess. Maybe, maybe around yeah. that. Nine, nine and a half. I, I, I don't know. But so you're factoring, yes... Yes, they are very good players. Yes, they're very young as well. So the potential for growth and getting better is there. Mm-hmm. But the expected points data for Arsenal as well, and this is just points, bear in mind, not just the individuals, they were actually quite far away from Man City. So. Yeah, yeah. Just because they were finished within five points of them, I don't think that means that they're suddenly title contenders next season. I genuinely, mm. I just think you know, City are huge favourites again next season. Absolutely. And like, well, It wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal did, again, finish within five points of them, but I think it's unlikely. I think, again, same as before the beginning of this season, I'd expect Man City to win it really comfortably. Mm. Um, and they, they won it, I guess you could say, comfortably in the end, but ultimately by five points. Um, I was just looking at Man City's XG for the season, actually. It was 77.7, and they scored nine, and they scored 94 goals. Yeah. <laughs> just just shows how monstrous. How, a lot of that will be Haaland's goals from like low XG chances. Like yeah. He's, he's, he's crazy. In fact, it's not even from low XG chances. It's just that he consistently scores from just good chances. It's just that he misses yeah. very few, whereas someone yeah. like Son in years gone by was good because he scored from low XG chances. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to know what you take from it. It's just interesting to kind of see where teams might have been and who's maybe been a bit unlucky or, or lucky. Um, um, and the one we discussed before we started recording was Man United. was like, I suggested always their actual finish better. Was that because of De Gea being a good shot stopper? But then we looked at the expected goals prevented and actually he's not been particularly good at shot stopping. He's been about average maybe slightly worse than average. So actually maybe Man United got quite lucky in terms of um, in terms of goals not going in. I, I think, think any fan will tell you that, yeah, that Man United... some chances against them. They weren't particularly good in some games and they managed to, to get lucky with some clean sheets in home games quite a lot of the time, yeah. I think they said David De Gea, the saves thing, and it, there was some games where he made some good saves, but the data doesn't suggest that, right? It just poor it finishing must... against them is it, a bit of luck. And again, they scored. So again, United scored 58 goals from 67 XG. So they underperformed it by quite a lot. Mm. So actually, they must have got really lucky with missed chances. Mm. Yeah, and again, it's partly maybe to do with the timing of goals and things like that. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's an interesting one. And then Brentford are just like cemented now as a good Premier League team. They're above, you know, top half, but also top half on XG. It'd be interesting to see if they continue getting better, particularly with half a season without without Tony. Um, and um yeah, Fulham is Fulham is the one with the with the biggest difference. Um, but again, you'd, even on expected data, they would have stayed up fairly comfortably. There's a decent gap there between them and the bottom four yeah. teams. A lot of um, that anyway. is Leno, isn't it? A lot of it is. We saw he's like plus ten. Well, it depends what model you, you look at, but he's something like yeah. plus ten for prevented goals against. So he really stepped up. And that's uh, where like luck becomes like a doesn't do it justice as a statement. It's not luck if Leno's performed really well. He's a member of that team that's put in loads of good performances. That's not lucky. <laughs> it's having a good player um, who's performed well that season. Um, mm. 
And there's and no guarantee yeah. they go and do it the next season, is it? That's no, the thing. No, I, mean, no. I mean, similar to Edison, he was the source of all sorts of banter this season, but we've been through it before. His, his general data in terms of XG prevented and one-on-ones and stuff isn't actually that bad across all the time he's been there. If anything, it's good. It's in the positive. This was a particular outlier. Now, can we point to performance and say, okay, he's just, you know, he's he's tailed off and this is going to be his new norm? You know, maybe. But... Um, you know, when you're hitting sort of 20 clean sheets for every season that you've been in Man City and your, your stats are generally good, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get that gif out of I'll do it again with that dog next to it or whatever. Like, that, that is potentially a thing that happens. If Edison starts coming in at 5, 5.5, <laughs> there's people probably laughing at me in the chat right now. Like, I'll be there again. Exactly that. I will be there in, in and around the conversation. Unless he has just tailed off and he's useless, which, you know, we can't ever rule out. But, well, I mean, Ortega starts starting next season from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, Ortega, the few few games he played, um, he ended up getting bonus and everything, didn't he? It was just it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That How old is Ortega? Cursed. I have no concept of that. Well, I don't really know, to be honest. I can check it out whilst you fill the fill the gap with the dance or something. Fill the gap with, I won't fill the gap with the dance, but I'll, I'll talk more about uh, this table. Um, yeah, the, yeah, so Fulham and... He's 30. Uh, He's 30, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember if he was like an older keeper or like one of the younger ones who just came mm. through. He's one of those, has he been, I can't remember where, where they signed him from or anything, to be honest. Um, Armenia, Armenia, I think, yeah. And Byfield and 1860 Munich. Yeah, he's played. Yeah, yeah. He's been around. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, and West Ham are the other one who probably, and we, we knew, like, we knew this, like, when there was talk of West Ham sacking David Moyes, like we knew it was absolute nonsense because you've just looked at that. They've been so unlucky in so many games. They were still great in lots of chances. They were defensively, particularly, they were really good. They just kept conceding from like one mistake or a long range yeah. shot. It was so obvious they were absolutely fine. And again, I would say it was exactly the same with Palace. They just had had hard fixtures and they were never going to go down and never in a relegation battle. There were too many teams between them and the, and the drop zone. Mm. Um be a tough season next team. season for West Ham if they lose Rice, though, weren't they? I think having a player in that middle area of the pitch that is just so good. I mean, Man City showed it this season with Rodri and stuff, and I just think it's so important to have a player in that position that can just dominate the game. Like I said, Man United highlight signed Casemiro and the difference with having Casemiro in the team or not does make a big difference to them. You know, an easy sort of in the twilight of his career, and he's still managing to perform. Yeah, he um, yeah, there's talk, of, there's talk of Rice maybe going to Bayern Munich. Oh, really? Okay, I thought um, there was a chance he goes to Arsenal. So, uh, I think yeah, if he does go to Arsenal, it will have massively improved them. But yeah, I just think, I mean, all areas of the pitch are important. They're obviously very important. But I think having a player who in that in that middle area of the pitch is, is just really important at the moment. Um, you know, Brighton, even though McAllister ended up playing 10 towards the end of the season, I think Casado and McAllister in centre midfield is a, makes a big difference to them as well. They're potentially losing them. I mean, they'll probably make it work, find some other talent that they usually do. But uh, yeah. Just that, that's something to bear in mind, I guess, because obviously being being a ball dominant team isn't the most important thing. But if you are a ball dominant team, then you're you're generally able to to force the the play to be your style and generate more chances as a result. Like overall, it's not you know it can be a counter attacking team, of course, but yeah, I think it's useful to to have that. So let's keep right, an eye out for right, it. he's so good, Rice as well. I think a lot of people don't appreciate yeah. how just how good he is. I never really used to rate him particularly highly. You know, I thought it was the whole English thing, but I think as more yeah. and more and more I see of him, I just think he is, yeah, he is the real deal. He's great a good ball carrier, good at winning the ball back, good passer. He's got just got a lot to his game, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, don't know if there's anything else you want to discuss based on that. The other thing I had written down to discuss was any like changes to the game, like whether we think there should be any or whether we expect there to be any. 
Well, I've kind of got a little, I'll probably get quote tweeted in this and be put out, but I've kind of got a little bit of an in there in terms of I, I kind of know someone who works works closely or works in FPL. And um, yeah, they don't give much away, believe me. Um, so it's not yeah. like I'm sitting there getting leaks at all or anything like that from them. That, that flower just doesn't happen. They're very protective. But the overriding sort of suggestion and opinion that I get from them is that I don't think there'll be any changes. I mean, you'll probably see a lot of it. I think I think there could be some some rule tweaks um, as to what they are. It would be speculation on my part. I, I mean, I think the assists one look, needs looking at. I just don't like the way assists work at the moment. The fact that sometimes you get granted them for just for nothing, and sometimes yeah. you don't for. I mean, the Isak assist was was perfect, wasn't it? He, every person who watches football and he sees him beat like three or four men and cross the ball kind of wants that to probably get some points in some way or scenario. Like, I know it bounced off of the guy, but it was an amazing piece of play that goes on rewarding in the game. So maybe there's something they can do around that. And then you get stuff like Harry Kane in the same week to highlight it, had that shot, like, in the penalty area. And it was blocked by a defender about two yards in front of him, bounced, like, I don't know, 20 metres behind him in the complete opposite direction. And then the guy scores from that. And that goes down as an assist. Now, Isak was actually trying to assist. Kane was not trying to assist. And then they give an assist point. For, the, for yeah. the opposite way. That just doesn't... That highlights to me the, the, the ridiculousness in the rule. And it comes yeah. down to that. But anyway, whether they'll change that or not, I don't know. They could, go with, they could go with opt to assists, which doesn't include defect, uh, rebounds, I believe. No. Um, so, that also yeah. wouldn't include Isaacs. Yeah, so they could go with opta and then make, okay, but we will include rebounds, but then you need to, you need to come up with a set rule that doesn't include intent, I think. Trying to work out the intent of players is just nigh on impossible. I mean, everyone who knows who's played the game, sometimes you aren't, particularly us who aren't even that good at football, we're not particularly aiming for a person. We're aiming for an area of the pitch a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there was, well, there wasn't much uproar because not many people owned him at the time, but a few did in the analytics crowd. There was a Trent assist. Yeah, slightest nick. Yeah, slightest nick. He's smashing it across the face of goal and it takes a lot of deflection and goes into whoever it was, their path, and they tap it in. It just... It's an assist, yeah, and it was given as an assist by Opta. Saka's one as well. I think he got an assist taken off of him for. Yeah. And I had him for that as well. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I, Isaacs wouldn't be given an assist by Opta, I don't think, because he was no, the, because it was flex it enough. It, it's completely different, but yeah, yeah, I get, I get it though. Uh, yeah, I think that's one area. If they maybe just go with Opta, and it also just removes any kind of annoyance at FPL. Yeah, they can just literally brush the shoulder off and go, well, Opta have decided this, so that's what, that's what it is, and you just have to take it on the chin. It's less overall points, so I don't, I'm not sure whether they will do it, but I think it just makes the game better. Because I, I, I don't like those moments when it's... The rules, it feel yeah, fair. the rules are muddy, but there was a couple that were just like, was definitely wrong. There's, Edison's was ridiculous, it was a joke. Oh, that's just but, a mistake, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they can yeah. make mistakes. The, the way it works, again, there, I know, I know a little bit about it because I, I did work at BT School Zone at one point and I was even, I've even been to where the gold accreditation panel was and I was working for different different things I've done in the past. And, you know, at the end of the day, there is a person or maybe two or three people that will make a decision based on stuff that they see. So they are making that opinion at that yeah. time and then they may change their mind later, as you see from the accreditation and it goes through certain reviews. I'm not going to get deep into it, but they have to go off of what that person or that group of people have decided at that time, and they can make a mistake. They are humans yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So. But again, if it was just Opta, again, it just removes that. It removes the responsibility. It does, but then it that. comes down to when do you take it from Opta? What's the Opta feed? So do you take it like they do at the moment where you go with Opta and then uh, after an hour, I think it is at the moment, after the final kick, uh-huh. is that right for the day, for the points? Well, okay, that's fine. But then the next day, Opta may have updated their feed and it's changed sure. again. So, yeah. so then you have the conversation of, okay, when do we, we finalise that? 
yeah, <laughs> I feel like within the same game week should probably be the rule on that. But be fine yeah, by it's me. An, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, like Mark, I didn't own March, <laughs> but ultimately he scored a goal and it wasn't given. Yeah, but, that was particularly yeah. annoying. Yeah, That's that just, was not. But like I said, it's a mistake and it happens uh, as well. And with the, with their current rules as they are, they kind of did the right thing. They just couldn't change it afterwards. Yeah, you can't um, change the rules later because otherwise so, you could do it all the time. Yeah. Annoying, but I mean, I certainly wish they did because I'd have had more points. But yeah, that's fair enough. It's just, the, the annoyance comes from the fact that it was given a goal, and I don't think there was enough to say, oh, that's not a goal, and then they changed it back to a goal. So you know, mm-hmm. there's other situations where they, it does feel ownership led sometimes. I don't think it is, but you know, when a player scores and you just blatantly think the goal's going wide or a deflection, and they just don't even bother even looking at it if it, it feels like, and then some players it's like the microscope's on them. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. There's a couple of other things I wrote down. So just again, something that people discuss every year is just defensive midfielders. There's not enough route for points. So even though they're cheaper for that reason, you just never end up buying them anyway. So like Declan Rice, there's no point in being in the game. No one's ever going to own him unless maybe he was suddenly on penalties or moved more advanced. Even though he's only 4.5, like it's still wait. Even you'd have to be like three before you consider buying him. So they need to either be really flexible with pricing and move those players to even cheaper than four, for example. So they've become proper enablers and there's a reason to own them. Or you uh, maybe change the bonus point system so it's easier for them to get points or something. I don't know. But like maybe something there. Um, transparency about price changes that everyone knows that would be helpful. Um, that, that, just a million I times. really like that. I mean, people like the whole thing of do you go early, do you not go early? But sometimes these things are just completely out of your control, right? Yeah. I just don't, I don't like that either. I think that there should be, yeah, at the deadline, the prices move situation. Mm. So for throughout that week, you can make the transfer whenever you want to make the transfer during the week, but the prices won't actually change until that point. So we get to wait to the very end just in case, I guess, any news comes out and then make the transfer rather than feel forced to do it. But I get it's part of the game and it always has been. So I'm not going to argue too much on that one. But it's just that it's more that transparency thing. Like there are websites that are dedicated to try and track it no, and you can't no. even get it right. It's hard to work out. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a change eventually. I think you might see that but these things will come with a cost, right? Especially when you've got like 12 million people playing the game and the traffic that comes through the website. Then think about the traffic when people go there for the price changes as well yeah, continuously. Yeah, yeah. It's all things I suppose they have to factor in. And mm. um, yeah, uh, you know, if it was up to me, I'd have no chips. I'd maybe even remove captain. I'd be proper boring. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> you say that. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that at all. Well, I, I like the chips. I think it just adds another element like trying to get into a bench boost, etc. But yeah, particularly captaincy, like... They're already like, for example, Haaland this year, people are complaining, oh, he's pointless because everyone captains him every week. But that's not true because we didn't captain him sometimes. But if no. there was no captaincy, he would literally be pointless because everyone would just own him. You can't do anything about that. If there's a player that good in the game, like I know you can price them really highly to put them off to begin with. And that's something they should they should probably definitely look at, whether they will or not, I don't know. But what can you do if a player's just so good and everyone wants him in a team? We've had we've been there multiple times in the past. Suarez's sure, but- and Salah's and everyone, like people are going to own them regardless. Yeah, but I think, but if you don't have captaincy, then they they are absolutely pointless. If you have captaincy, they still well, you say that, but uh, yeah, people who who take into account the maths and and obviously doubling their score definitely. But I still think you'd see massive ownership for someone like Ireland, even if he was like fourteen million and there was no captaincy. No, yeah, yeah, that's my point is that you would. So you would. I still think a hundred percent of people would own him. It's just you wouldn't have the opportunity to differentiate and captain him or not captain him, basically. Right, OK. So there's there's a point saying. to him being there because if Salah plays uh, uh, Leeds or whatever and Haaland plays Arsenal, suddenly mm. there's, a, again, he's not pointless in the game. He's valuable to people who still choose to captain him against Arsenal, gotcha. for example. 
So yeah, that's why I like that because again, Trent like he's already pretty pointless because he's not a captaincy option because he plays in the same team as Salah in years gone by. This year he was interesting because not as many people loaned him. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I maybe I did. But I think I preferred it with just one wild card. Now we have the other one in the second half of the season. Oh no, we always had that. Sorry, free hit, one free hit. I quite like that. Um, yeah, I, I do think in general probably less chips means more skill. I guess. Like if we had no wild card, for example, you'd have to be really forward planning. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the, I think the chips are definitely better for engaged managers because then you can plan when to use them. The, the average player just uses them whenever, don't they? So they are more of an advantage true. for a skilled manager. But maybe it's between, just they, maybe between engaged managers. Between engaged no managers, chips, yeah. No chips maybe would be more interesting. I don't like the way they are get out of jail cards. I do agree with that. Like. You know, you get you get extra free hits thrown in and stuff, and you don't have to manage your team in advance. But again, yeah, it's um, I don't think it's going to change. To be honest, I don't think that area will change. You know, maybe in the future, but um, they haven't. The, did they, did they, in the past, I remember there was all out attack, but I'm talking like ten years ago. That long ago. That? Have, we, have we even had chips that long? I don't think we've had chips ten years. Well, maybe seven or eight years ago, there was a chip where you would have four strikers. Yeah, that was right at the beginning. Yeah. I can't remember which one replaced that. Was it free hit? Yeah, maybe maybe oh. the chat will know. Yeah, um, but to be honest, I would be very happy with no changes as well. Like I just, the beauty for me of FPL is the simplicity of it. You ultimately have like two or three decisions to make every week. Who do you captain? And do you make one or two transfers? And then who do you bench? Like you have very few decisions to make. And I think that's what mm. makes it so good and makes so many people engage in it because it's a lot of thought process for very few decisions. Whereas if you... When people suggest bringing in things like, oh, you change your captaincy mid-game, I think that's just never going to happen. Yeah, but it would ruin the game. It would ruin the game, I think. Like, if you want to do that, play Sky or whatever. Like, the beauty of FPL isn't isn't how simple it is. Absolutely, but it also increases the luck factor a hell of a lot in FPL, and that's why we're seeing stuff like you had to have had literally 15 people in the top 10K didn't have positive luck. Like, that... (laughs) That's incredible. In Sky and stuff, like they are very different games, but you are far more in charge of your destiny in that regard. Oh, you have so yeah, many yeah. more decisions to make in a week. You can literally transfer players in within a game week. You can change your captain. You have multiple captains. Like You have so many more ways to affect the game, and that's why I think that game appeals to people who really like fantasy and having hands-on and decisions because it feels like the amount of effort and time you put in correlates with how well you do, like a lot, high, a lot better. You can put a hell of a lot of work into FPL and just not do particularly well. Um, yeah, generally it will correlate, but not not too well compared to the likes of Sky and Sun and other games, where there is without a doubt correlation. I mean, I'm in a WhatsApp group, believe it or not, we're like ten people on Sky, and I've been in it from for 15 years. And bear in mind, we formed this group before any of them have been winners. There's now three winners in my group. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, and and all of us have finished in the top hundred multiple multiple times, like over mm. and over and over. But so like, if you know what you're doing in that game, yes, there's a lot less players. But the time and effort that you're putting in is clearly correlates with how well you do. Literally, Paul McCartney, who won it this, who's won it this season, just won like or well, 50k for the top prize plus um, all the mini leagues. And I don't know how much money he would make, like probably 70k or, or plus he's made just on this one season alone. Um, he's won it know. before, has he? No, he's not won it before, but he's been in the top sort of 20, 25 all the time. Yeah. And there is there is a player who's won Sky twice. He's not in our WhatsApp group, but there is a guy who's won it twice. Well, yeah. So it's. You know, people in the UK who aren't playing this game are missing the trick. Okay, I've been telling people for years, but I don't want to sort of keep going on about it because I'll increase my competition by bringing them into it. So, you know, can you do people enter like money leagues with people they don't know? Absolutely, yeah. You sky bet. So I can literally go on Facebook 
and go Sky Sky Fantasy Leagues or go into a group chat or even on Sky Fantasy uh, Facebook page, they post stuff. And then you'll just have numpties in there going, join my league. And it's all handled through Skybet. So literally I put £10 money in a Skybet account, join the league. It might be some random... I've been in like Dave's Fishing League where there's like six people in it and I've just stealthed in and I've beaten by like 700 points because they're absolutely woeful and just cleaned up their cash. Like that was part of the Sharks game at the very beginning. It was very easy to do. Now people are kind of wised up to the fact that there's a lot of these people out there and all the top players do this. But they will literally go into random people's league through Skybet and just clean them out. (laughs) Well, the year I won 17 grand, I only won five grand in prize money when I came forth. The rest of the money I cleaned up from mini leagues. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah, that is another world, isn't it? It is another world. Absolutely. Anyway, we went on a massive tangent there. Should we ask some questions? I think think I might play that next year, and I think I'm going to play. (laughs) Don't don't play it. (laughs) I won't pay to play it because I don't think I'm allowed to because I work in football. Um, (laughs) But I will also, I also think they should bring out a WSL game as well. I think, I think loads of people would play it. Um, it probably would, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there, there was one called She Plays, I think something like that. But okay. uh, and that a lot of people I saw playing last played last season. Um, but I think if like the WSL bought out their own game, like I know loads of people that would play that if it was good. And for example, they could just replicate FPL's rules. It would make more people watch games, be one more engaged in it. I think they're kind of missing a trick there. So hopefully that's something we see as well. Um, well, that, that leads us on nicely to Sir Telp's first question, which is reasons to play or not play FPL. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest reasons for me to actually play is the fact that it increases my enjoyment. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard saying that sentence because it doesn't always increase the enjoyment. But in general, of watching like football, like that, I probably wouldn't have the time or, or wouldn't particularly have a massive interest in. Like I have interest in most games, but as you get older, things take over, right? And you can't really watch it. But I still will now put on games that I probably shouldn't do just because I've got FPL players playing in it. I yeah. think that's a good reason to to yeah. play it, I guess, also to avoid, like if you're, most of us playing this will probably have some sort of addictive personality where we, you know, we, we spend way too much time on something we don't even have the control on and invest a lot into it. And I know if I wasn't playing FPL, I, I, the, how much I like football, I'd probably end up betting or doing something else, which is no doubt going to be worse off for me and my family overall. So it kind of, I get to cut all that off and just focus it on on this area instead. So I think that's yeah. a good reason for me to play FPL. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a reason I play it. Um, so a good example of that this season is, um, so, so I mentioned before, my brother started playing FPL for the first time this season, and he's nowhere near as big a football fan as me um, anyway. But he just he just enjoys football. Like he'll watch big Premier League games, loves the Champions League, supports Preston like me, but in terms of like the big leagues, <laughs> Premier League and Champions League, he just used to watch kind of the big games, loves football, but just doesn't follow it really closely. And this season, he's just so engaged in it. And like he, he beat me. I think he finished a very similar rank to you, actually. Um, but because he got had a really good start to the season, he was then suddenly watching so many games. Mm. Like we have had really good banter about it all season. So for me, it's just like I love the, I hate that word, but like the banter element of it and being in group chats. And I just find that really fun, like with mm. mates being in mini leagues. Just think it's, it's yeah, think it's a good laugh. And um, uh, yeah, for me, it's like having met people through it as well now. As well. I know a lot of people who play don't have Twitter accounts and stuff like that. But for me, like I've met people through Twitter, started the podcast with you, etc. Like, is there's that element of me that's now added. Um, but, but yeah, it, but also watching games can be a curse as well. Like I hate, for example, that I'm watching this season, if I was to watch Man City play uh, Leeds, like I love the idea of an underdog beating Man City, but if I've got double Man City defence, I can't enjoy Leeds scoring. So it also has a negative yeah. impact. And that's why I don't play like World Cup fantasy or Champions League fantasies, because I would just want to watch it without thinking about that, because I know I'd get really into it. 
So I like to have that as my little break where I can just watch football without FPL. Um, but I would say if, if people like have a, and again, another serious reason to play it is if you are someone who struggles with like, thankfully I've never struggled with it, but people who struggle with like gambling addiction, as you said before, I know people who for them, FPL is like an amazing outlet and it's helped them recover from like a very serious addiction. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good reason for some people to play as well. Um, also, and again, and don't again, another serious reason not to play it is if it really does impact your mood like it should impact your mood a little bit otherwise why would you play it like it's gonna make you feel gutted when your players concede and happy when they do score for example but if that's gone to an extreme level where it's impacting your day-to-day mm. like ruining your whole weekend again i think that's a reason not to play it absolutely sure. De- definitely that was the one i was gonna say as well and, it, and, it, and it's even the people who when I mean, we've got some of the smartest people in this game like sir talp himself who are asked this question and he knows how much variance in this game. It's very hard for people to accept how much variance is in a game with this many players in football. And like, you know, all the stats we've been to, even the top 10K, I keep banging up 15 people there. I've managed to get positive. Like this guy knows the maths behind it. And he knows that um, you can't guarantee anything in this game. So to play a game where the amount of work and effort does not necessarily correlate to a very, very good finish, or certainly correlate to a probably, or almost certainly correlate to a, a good finish, but mm. not a very good finish then it's probably not the game to go through. And I can understand why a lot of them seem to cut that, like want to cut that back and not do it as a result. Because there are other games where you put that much of effort in, you probably does correlate with being great. You know, something like, I don't know, chess or something, you put the time and effort into that, um, yeah. you're, you're likely to be much better. And I suppose poker, again, although there is a lot of there is a lot of luck involved in poker, you know, you ultimately can improve your skill to a level where you're probably going to be up over the average person a lot more often. Um, so, yeah, there's other games basically to look at, I guess. Than, than yeah. this as a result because yeah even me it still has it still impacts my mood like a hundred percent a hundred percent it does for a little while i've just learned to cope with it better over the years and just sort of ignore it and just move on to the next one yeah i'm the same for me you now like i give a uh the, the like, upsides massively outweigh the downsides for me like if i have an awful game week like i'm gutted and it annoys me but you know i, I gave that pretty quickly to be honest and i'm mm-hmm. <laughs> got a Jack- lot of, yeah be lucky to i'm lucky to have a lot of other good good things going in my life that could take my mind off it yeah i I can like like, again being in like group chats and stuff you learn to laugh it off with memes so absolutely that's what (laughs) i do memes are a good coping strategy jack just says you must be a good poker player yeah i I do think i'm a pretty good poker player actually i am pretty good i don't want to toot my own but i'm certainly not the best there are definitely better players than me out there i don't know yeah i don't think you played actually Yeah. yeah well not so much anymore that's the that's the thing the poker lifestyle like from when I started playing poker, you actually had to go to casinos and play it. And then mm. you end up staying up till 5 a.m. in the morning and then coming back. And, you know, when you've like got kids and stuff, it's not really the one. I know you can do a lot of it online, but I think you lose something in that guy. I prefer to have the, the tells as well. So part, part of my job, I guess, which I, I'll say on here is actually reading people as well. So I, I, I think that actually benefits me. Mm. So anyway, um, yeah, what's the next Luke question? Is a, is a palm reader. Harry's <laughs> ass cheeks. <laughs> Just tell your future. <laughs> Pass off Carl Pilgrim's in pod in it at some point. <laughs> yeah, it is. XFM or something. Yeah. No, actually, it's on. It's on Idiot Abroad. Pretty sure it's Idiot Abroad. Yeah. He reads his ass cheeks and then see. Oh yeah, go on then. Then he's gonna have cancer and die. He has to go. Is it the China one where he had to go put like a letter underneath the mountain? Otherwise, he'll have bad. I think it might be that. Something like that. Yeah. Can't remember. What data do we find least helpful, says Western Wasters? And when would we use the eye test? Um, data I find least helpful, which I think I've ranted about before on here before, is like big chances. 
because uh, it's often just really arbitrary and just like decided by Opta, for example. Sometimes there's not even like an XG threshold for it. And it's just completely pointless when you can just look at XG. It's just like, if you can, it's like looking at shots or like shots on target. And then, then you've got big chances, then you've got XG. Well, why not just look at XG and that would have a, a better measure of how big that chance was. So that one really annoys me. Uh, um, what do I find least helpful apart from that? Um, that's the big one who stand, that stands. What out about to me. chances conceded from this side and all that stuff? That does. Oh matter. yeah, yeah, I don't like that either. The thing that I don't like that, yeah, if it's like chances conceded down the right, for example, the reason I don't like that is because the chance could be conceded down down the right, and that might result in a shot, but it also might result in a cross, and therefore you want the player on the left wing or the central player. So. I couldn't tell you where you want them still to this point. I understand yeah. the players having a weakness, like. Yeah, maybe the the right back's just not very good and he can get yeah. beat a lot. Or let's oh, look, at, look at Leeds. I mean, their defence is terrible overall, but I think Firpo sort of took yeah. some sort of trophy as probably the worst player in the league this season. He was absolutely shambolic every time I watched him. Um, but, you know, did that result in right wingers getting more points than left wingers for FPL against Leeds? But maybe, but I'd imagine if it, even if that was the case, it would be negligible. Like, and that's probably the extremes. It just changes mm. from game to game. The chances are created in different ways, different tactics. That's another thing as well. The tactics used by today's managers, you know, to a large extent, it is very much tweaks to the particular match. You know, the better the manager, the more chance that is the case as well. It's not just one plan fits all. So I just, yeah, I just think it's captured by XG data anyway. I'm not saying it's not helpful, but I just don't find that helpful. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, uh, when would you use the eye test? I use it all the time, to be fair. Anytime I watch a game, it's always impacting my thoughts and like whether I ever end up acting on it. But I certainly watch a game and think, oh, okay, you know, Rashford doesn't look particularly right. You know, I know it can change in an instance, but it might be like, okay, Rashford's just come back from injury combined, yeah. you know what I mean? And he, just, he looks like he's ambling around the pitch. Like, I don't, I don't try and let it affect me to the point where, or for example, I captained Rashford this week, despite he'd only just come back and he looked terrible in the last game. I thought he was really bad. I know he ended up didn't getting points, but he still ended up with like 0.8 XG this week and could have easily scored. So that balance again is tricky, but I, I certainly I certainly do use it all the time, just whether it overrides anything or not. Yeah, same. Uh, I just think, yeah, and I also think um, there are things like a player can constantly be in really advanced positions, for example, uh, and not be passed to um, or... Yeah, you can pick up on stuff like that, but in, to be honest, in general, I, I wouldn't say the eye, eye test. Watching football really doesn't impact my decisions that much, to be honest. Mm. And I sometimes think, actually, if I didn't watch any football, I wonder if I'd be better at the game. Um, quite quite possibly. I do think it's useful yeah. in terms of when players... Are just, I know I just said it, but coming back from injury, I think that gives you an idea of where they are in their fitness because we're not given that information by managers. We're, we're sort of sold, oh, I think he's kind of ready to start a game, and then we don't know whether they're... They're just bigging him up and they're trying to hope that he is and trying to put minutes in his legs. So I think there is a noticeable impact with some players. It's like Luis Diaz came back from a, a long-term injury. Right? Who knows how he was going to play? Um, but I think anyone who watched the games will say that Luis Diaz looked pretty damn good from the moment he came on and, and yeah. was performing well. You know, it, But then you'll have other instances where a player will come back and they don't look right for whatever reason and it might take them a long time. I mean, I think Martial's a good one this year. He's actually been a player who was historically at least when he was fit and available looks like he can produce the goods and he has produced the goods anyone mm. who watched man united and watched martial he looked like a competition winner sometimes in some of the games i don't know what's happened to him but it it, it kind of put me off and again did it matter because he sc- didn't he score this week in 38 anyway despite all that yeah, like, yeah. so again how much it impacts your, your decisions is or how much it should impact your decisions is questionable but 
I can't yeah, say new, it doesn't. Like new signings as well. Probably another one where we just don't have data on them um, in terms of how settled they are into the team. Like a lot of Liverpool fans got lots of because I live in Liverpool. A lot of mates who support Liverpool. I've chatted to them about Nunes, and again, they think he's brilliant, but they're just like he just doesn't. He's just not quite got Klopp's system yet. And so a lot of them were saying to me, just based on watching him, like I just don't see him. You know, I was more confident in his minutes towards the end of the season than they were based on just watching him and just seeing that Klopp clearly wasn't happy <laughs> in terms mm. of him just not just not doing what he wants Klopp to do, what Klopp wants him to do, sorry. That is definitely um, another factor, actually, what the manager yeah. wants from that player rather than what we see. And we've seen that with yeah. Pep a lot as well, right? A player like, oh, why's why's Mara's been benched? He just scored two goals. Well, if he wasn't tracking back his win his fullback and yeah. Pep wanted him to do that, then he's not going to play the next game. It's you know, it could come down to stuff like that. So Yeah. Yep. Should we move on? Yeah, we got another question. Ryan Cowan's one's yeah. interesting. Interesting, yeah, go, go on. Uh, have wide forwards been affected by inverted fullbacks? It feels like they're having to stay wide a lot more. Do the stats back this up at all? I feel like more sides will use this tactical innovation next season. I think it's, that last bit's probably right. I think it's like a trend, definitely a trend in the modern game. And it's being used really successfully by big teams. So it probably will continue to happen. In terms of how much that's affecting wingers, um, to be honest, I... <laughs> I think I'd need more time to think about it and to kind of like delve into stats. And even then, I don't know how you kind of see that in stats, apart from just looking at those players that might have impacted. So I don't want to just like try and make up an answer, to be honest, and look stupid. <laughs> uh, but I know you've, you've put some thought into it, though, Luke. No, I mean, I think what you said there is, is right. Um, I do agree that it seems to be a trend. I mean, obviously, you might saw Man City pretty much bin off Cancelo, go to this back three with an inverted fullback in midfield. We saw Arsenal pretty much doing it from the beginning of the season with Zinchenko. Um, they're the two most successful clubs this this time. And then Liverpool pretty much changed their fortunes around when they moved Trent into midfield. It kind of coincided with them starting to play well, and they copied as well. Mm. So probably like you know, certainly three of like the top four teams in the league potentially. I know Liverpool didn't quite finish there, but you'd say historically they are. Have now moved to this system, and that these things are trends, right? That it's happened before in the past with teams, you know, Larm for Bayern Munich and stuff under Pep as well. And they all go in cycles and change. So how long it will stay for, I don't know. Whether it will change back again. It comes down to the individual teams and players. I get what he's saying about how, because the fullbacks are now inside the pitch, the wingers have to stay wide to create the width and therefore they're not goal threats anymore. Yes, maybe in some occasions, but you just always have to judge it on the individual, on the individual teams and players, I think, because... You know, Zinchenko does that for Arsenal, yet Saka and Martinelli were fantastic options. And I know Martinelli, you can say, is positioning slightly different depending on who the centre-forward is as well, maybe slightly more further forward and holds width. But again, these things change from game to game and the personnel they've got and to, to pre-know what they're going to do with those players in, in each game and, and then chop and change and react to that just seems too hard when it's like, well, Martinelli is just a good player, full stop. If the price is right, people are going to have him. So just it yeah. always overrides that for me. You know, when he's looking at Mahrez and Grealish, yeah, I mean, they, they probably are staying quite a lot wide as a result and therefore aren't options. But, you know, Grealish was never really an option, I would say, for most of the season, apart from the fact he was cheap enough and playing a lot of games. You know, he wasn't really ever there in the data. He's not certain, it's certainly not a salary, is he? Mm. Um, so it's a really wishy-washy answer, but I just think, yes, it potentially has got an impact, but we have to judge every case on an individual basis. And, you know, ultimately they could change their tactics game to game anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure. Should we move on to the last two questions? We'll just do that one that's last on the list here from FPL Gatto. Cheeky question. How did you get so good at podcasting in just one season? Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Not sure we are that good. <laughs> Great learning well, skills. Love that. 
They did ask that, I promise. I didn't send that one to myself. <laughs> how are you both so good looking? Um, and he says, how, how serious question. I got very lucky to have a very good, very, very lucky to have a very good rank. I used FPL review consistently, other algorithms, my good old eye test. How much credit can slash should I take? I think take all the credit. Like, obviously, the reality is that you, if you've done really, really well, you probably got lucky. But the reality is, you know, based on what he said there in terms of how he's making decisions, I'm sure he's made loads of good decisions as well. That's all you can do is focus on making good decisions. So I would take take plenty of credit, like enjoy it ultimately. Like it's Absolutely. more fun to, you know, if you're doing badly, it's fun to talk about variance. But if you've done really, really well, just, yeah, you've, I mean, you've done all you can. You can't control it. You've also probably been a bit lucky. So yeah. I would enjoy it, mate. No control over that whatsoever. You're the one who decided how much review to use, how much eye test, how much of another algorithm. You you are the person behind all of those decisions. No one had the same team if they use review all year. Well, virtually no one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you take all the credit. You take all the credit. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then last question, probably nice one to summarise and end the season. From Adrian Coma. Um highs and lows of the season and i think we could talk for ages here particularly about the lows yeah, maybe i'm just constantly just moaning about the lows it's like my mo what what are the few that stick out for you mate ah oh, there's so many to mention i think i think i think going i already said going dinya over shore when dinya had like three home games in four and probably the easiest games of the season and i think he conceded in the first then got injured in the second and then replaced by moreno like they signed him in that sinister rule was was bad, but to combine that with the fact that Shaw scored like his first goal for Man United in about eight years, got 15 points in the first game, got like three clean sheets or something. I don't know what it was. I'm probably making it up now, exaggerating it, but it was bad. Yeah, it was uh, bad that, yeah. that, that decision was bad. But was it bad? I guess it was bad. But it was certainly a bad outcome. Um, and then the wild card, where I don't, I don't think I can beat myself up too much on that, but the wild card literally cost me 50 points. Like, it was a joke wild card. Like, Salah hit was his highest score of the season, like 21 points or whatever yeah. it was. Um, I removed the, the, the best part about it was I removed Brennan Johnson, who scored a brace versus <laughs> Everton. Like, I ended up getting 43 points, I think it was, and my actual mm. team would have been close to 100. Yeah. So literally, if I wait one more week and then wildcard with an extra week's information, I'm 50 points better off and I'm like top 10k easily. Like Easy. just off that one base, yeah. one basis to wildcard. Yeah. Those are probably my two biggest lows. What's your biggest high? Oh, I don't see. I don't remember the highs. I always, I must be just like a negative person overall. QBR scoring is pretty good. Ah. Uh? QBR scoring in the last game it's I mean good. that was good yeah that was definitely good but I never really got to appreciate the high because I just wasn't around for the whole day if you know what I mean and even yeah, when I looked sure. at my team at the end of the I, again I focused on oh I didn't captain came my captain blanked I took a hit for no reason for Eze like I ended up focusing on the negative but that, but that was that, like 15 points or whatever 13 points whatever yeah. it was on everyone because hardly anyone had an Arsenal defender either, either. no yeah you're right um, I can't think of too many other highs to be honest with you Cap- captaining Harlan sounds really really boring but I adopted that really quickly I know a lot yeah. of people watching this will but I quickly moved like me and you were really confident right at the beginning of this this pod when we started to do this season that Haaland would probably break all records and it wasn't yeah. going to be a problem and he was going to be the best player but I think the data at the beginning had Salah a lot of the time higher in review yeah. for obvious reasons because it hasn't an, an, you know it hasn't um a weighting on historical data as well and I quickly thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to go with Haaland because I just think this guy is like unbelievable. And 
It was. You know, I think I think that was also luck, right? Because we can also point at the distribution of goals over the season and show those hat tricks at the beginning were obviously just not sustainable. So there was luck as well involved here. And also Salah had a decent season in the end, but a lot of his goals came in the second half of the season. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think the early adoption of doing that and saying no, I'm going to go with Harlem yeah. something was probably a better better part of my decision making because a lot of the analytical crowd that have ended up beating me and doing so well and being in the top and they they actually had Salah captain for all these games so how they've managed to make up these points I do not know they're just you know obviously far better managers than me but if I hadn't have done that Harlan thing I'd be so far behind yeah yeah um I think mine like jump out more easily but again that's because of what I mentioned before I think my seasons has been just way more like extreme ups and extreme downs to be honest mm. so they're really obvious straight away I didn't have Trippier for like there was a set, there was set, there was eight games where he got seventy seven points across the eight games I didn't have him and his EO was like close to hundred percent every game. <laughs> it was absolutely oh, it was absolutely grim. Um and I think it was it was a bit unlucky because again that clearly wasn't sustainable. And then I had triple Newcastle defence and they got like one clean sheet and ten or something after that. Mm. Um so yeah, that, that's like the obvious painful thing, that and having Darwin and Edison. Um but I had a couple of really big highs because of that that comeback I had. Uh, basically, I'm just quickly looking at my history now. So one will be when I bench. So I wildcarded 27 a bit later than everyone else, and it was just was just an absolute dream to be honest. But in 20 um, 29, when I benched boost, I got 154 points, and it was uh, yeah, I had Solanke who scored. I had triple Newcastle defence who got a clean sheet against United, and just loads of other things like went my way. Um, and that was just, I went from like 300k to about 100k in a game week, and suddenly. It really felt like top 100k was even not doable, and suddenly I was nearly there just from one game week. Mm. Uh, I'd like double, looking now, double Chelsea defence. Matoma, McAllister captain, he got nine points. Watkins was 17. Like it was just, it was just a br- brilliant. My, and my bench boost actually got me uh, 20, 30, 20, 29. It was a 37 point bench boost. And there was one point where I thought I was going to get like a 60-point bench boost if Newcastle got that second clean sheet. Yeah, that would have um, been mental. So, so yeah, that was that was great. Like 37 is, is mad for a bench boost. So that's one. And then in general, then from that period, those next few game weeks having Solanke, but particularly against Spurs, I didn't expect anything. And he got 15 points. He got two assists and a goal, I think. One was like 93rd minute. Uh, and then my last one that sticks out to me was a, a few game weeks ago. I had McAllister and I had no no Man United defenders in that double game week, uh, so I was on for a, a like a yeah I had big, the opposite no McAllister I, and I had Man United <laughs> defenders yeah that killed me. I was on for quite a big red arrow and then literally last kick of the game is a corner, results in a handball and a penalty and so that swing for me was absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. I think I did I have McAllister captain I can't remember. You did have McAllister captain I'm pretty sure you did I didn't have McAllister yeah. you had him captain I had Luke Shaw who was on max bonus and a clean sheet and then he got a yellow card as well didn't he and then conceded so he ended up on like one point from like nine yeah that was like, just I know, like a 20 yeah. point swing or something like that, not more like in one yeah, action it, it was more than 20 points from that one kick because I remember yeah. feeling sick when he was taking the penalty because I knew if he puts this white like he misses the penalty I've gone from like a 20 point positive swing to an even bigger yeah. negative swing so yeah, that was an unbelievable highlight because it was literally the last kick of the game week for me. Yeah, I want to I want to um, add some positives actually as well, very quickly. If you just reminded me, getting Solanke in the first time when he was like, yeah. people in the community were saying, oh, he's not a good pick because he's barely done anything. I think it was like, in fact, I'm just going back game week eight maybe, game week nine. Um, I just think there's always something special about buying a player who hasn't been getting points. Yeah. for a run and then they get points like relative to their value as well like he didn't go wild slanky by any means but he did his job for me that is like that is the actual skill part of fpl 
is not not just saying, well, this player's been getting points, they're really good, it's obvious, and I need to get him quick, so I'll get him in, and that's what everyone does. It's the ability to say, no, even though this player hasn't been getting points, I think that there is a chance he may start getting points, and I'm going to get him before everyone else, and he's going to serve it up, and then he does go on to get in it. They're, they're my favourite parts of FPL, honestly. Um, so, yeah, Slanky doing that was great. To flip it on his head again for one more negative for me, I did the same with Rodrigo, got him in four, he had like a double game week, four home fixtures on penalties, playing up front for Leeds in midfield, got him in before everyone else. You know the story I keep mentioning, injured. Yeah. Injured before he even kicks a ball because he comes yeah. on for 10 minutes in a cup game. Yeah, um, yeah that, that that hurts because he, he's also had an EO of like 2% or something. But anyway. Was that just a mistake in terms of you could have just bought him later or did you have the exact No, because I bought, I bought him the game week beforehand oh, I because I, yeah. I needed to do it... Um, a week before to have him in place to afford that player that week for whatever reason oh, yeah. had two free transfers yeah. so yeah. I literally had no option like if I wanted the other player I can't remember the circumstances but I had him a week before that it's not like I bought him too early in the week and I could have waited that wasn't the case yeah um, um, Jack's got a quick question in there <laughs> you seen that um, yeah, yeah Jack says did you carry on that alt account where you copied review exactly so we had a an, an account where we just yeah we did exactly that we just copied reviews moves but Luke kept forgetting to do it so we um, gave up on it in the end there's, there's a half truth there somewhere <laughs> yeah I did I did I kept forgetting to log in and do it and I forgot like two game weeks in a row and then there was like oh trying to get the last minute Man City leagues etc it became yeah. too chaotic so that's my fault I will own up to that and, I, th- yeah. I think the weeks you forgot it actually did really well as well did it there was one week <laughs> in particular where we left it and it got like ridiculous points but yeah we just there was one random week where I wanted to captain Salah, I think, and everyone by then was captaining Haaland, and he was like 0.1 ahead on review or something. Yeah, and Salah hauled. It was like Salah's first haul of the season or something, but I forgot to do it. Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind, indeed. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess this point would like, we, we don't know what we're going to be doing next season. Like, we hope to still be podcasting in some form. We don't know if it'll be as regular, whether we'll do it more on spaces, because it is a bit less time consuming where we continue on here with. Uh, like more guests or like less frequently to save a bit of time we're not sure yet but we've got a few months to think that through so we'll be back in some form next season definitely and um yeah we just like massively appreciate everyone listening to i think we've got yeah like 1.36 subscribers over a thousand twitters on follow followers on twitter um about a thousand people listening every week if you can buy on youtube and podcast listens so yeah i just think we just might massively appreciate everyone listening it's been been really good fun yeah, absolutely echo that. Thanks a lot, guys. It makes it worth it. Um, thanks for just tuning in, sharing everything. It's been great. And uh, yeah, sorry for sorry for the lack of pods towards the end, but it was kind of mm-hmm. happenstance. We only ever wanted to do it where it was um, fun and enjoyable for me and Sam and not, not, not felt forced. So um, yeah, and some of the weeks, I suppose that's part and parcel of being the analytical or trying to be an analytical pod anyway, is that you know how how much thought and opinion you put behind it is is quite hard some weeks because some weeks there's just a very obvious move and you know you, we do, there's no point me and Sam just coming over and going yeah we should just copy review here and you know get Harlan in and captain him or whatever so we try to avoid making content for content's sake so I hope you can understand um, yeah yeah thanks a lot guys and we will be back next season like Sam says in some vein perfect thanks guys enjoy your break enjoy your break. <laughs>